Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask, what moves us? Or more accurately, what's going to move us in future? With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson, we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minute that will impact on the way we get about in the future. Morning, Johanna. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm excited about a guest that we're having on in a minute to talk about uh, should transport be free. Why are you excited? Because uh, I think it's a timely time to have it. People are saying it. Uh, I get on the train. There's not very many people on the train, but uh, tickets being checked. Um, yes. I don't know. It's good. good time to have the debate. And I think I, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I shouldn't, I shouldn't really be saying this, but I know some middle class people that are actually travelling without paying because nobody's checking the tickets. Well, they are on the Southwestern Railway. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we're subsidising them. Um, us paying people, I guess. So it's wrapped up with our ticketing work stream. How's that it going? Is, yes. Um, so, well, we've had our round table and we've had some interesting thoughts on. Um, ticketing where it should be going what um what we should be doing um in terms of the back office you know obviously the debate about whether transport should be free but i think everybody is of the um of the thought that today's ticketing is not fit for purpose as 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 blatant as that and we need to be moving to more of an integrated smart ticketing system that more meets the needs of current travellers or even future travellers should say given where we are rather than a moment in time in the 1990s which is what our system is designed to meet. Let's introduce our guests for today shall we? Um, We have joining us Gareth Hawkins, uh, Commercial Director of Transportation at Revenue Analytics and we have Hayden Sutherland, founder of the Open Transport Initiative. Um, Also joining us Hayden's in Glasgow and Gareth in... Nottingham. Look at them there, ready to, ready to do battle. So we asked these two because we had our workshop last week where there were slightly uh, slightly differing views. So we thought we'd get them together in an intense place under pressure on a podcast because then we'd get them to say far more about their reasons for proposing or not proposing free transport. So uh, I guess Yaris and Hayden, do you want to just do a quick, more detailed intro if you want? Sure. Uh, So, yes, thank you. So I'm the Commercial Director for Transportation at Revenue Analytics. So we uh, uh, created a a revenue management system specifically for the rail industry, leaning on our uh, expertise in revenue management for airlines, hospitality and media. Um, So we're looking to take advantage of some of the big changes that have happened in rail in the form of RAS2 to turn from leg level pricing to journey level pricing uh, and look forward to uh, having a debate on uh, whether we should offer free travel for the rail industry. Sensing no considering you have a solution for paying for charging. <laughs> yeah I would like to keep my job uh, for the next few months so uh, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully <laughs> listeners aren't swayed too much by Hayden's view. Hayden? Um, thank you very much. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, Gareth. And thank you, Johanna, for letting me uh, loose on your podcast yet again. I'm founder of an initiative called the Open Transport Initiative, which is all around using open standards and open data sharing uh, APIs uh, to create the, uh, 
the open banking for transport. In other words, interoperability and data sharing amongst transport and mobility accounts. So it's uh, trying to trying to move data and account sharing of customers uh, into the 21st century. Now, if I could start with Hayden, what you just described is you talked about a way of charging, also charging for transport interoperably. So why on earth would you be proposing not to charge people? Um, it was it was born out. Um, the the reason why we talked about it and, and the reason why we brought it up here is uh, I was I was being slightly cantankerous um, and uh, slightly challenging in order to mobilise debate. So um, uh, if any of my fee paying clients are listening to your podcast right now, I am deliberately taking a view, of course, um, a, a just a perspective to facilitate debate and get this going, but. Um, so, I mean, there has been a move uh, in the transport industry in different parts across Europe, in different countries and different places to carry out um, tests, as we say, sort of uh, carry out um, a move to facilitating more and more uh, free transport. So um, what I think we should do is, um, I mean, my suggestion is um, we should consider transport as a basic utility the same way that you have universal basic income i think we should have universal basic mobility and therefore um, if we provide for people uh, you know universal basic income why can't we do the same for transport and why shouldn't therefore be transport be free to those that need it it is if you use your legs um, yes. <laughs> so, so expand on that idea. What do you mean by universal basic mobility? Because um, I think in terms of um, what um, some of the, the places that, because I don't think you know, free transport is a new concept. I mean, quite a lot of European companies have been, you know, company countries have been playing around with this for 15, 20 years. You know, place, small places in Belgium where um, transport pricing became unviable because otherwise they were going to lose their public transport obviously Estonia have been um, have been trying mm -hmm. it in um, in Tallinn mm -hmm. and they, um, Luxembourg have been trying okay. it and I think also places in um, China are quite interested in it some of the bigger cities Chengdu because they've got um, mm -hmm. a congestion problem so what do you mean by universal basic mobility so if we Okay, so there is two views. One, the, the one of the view is you make absolutely all public transport free, and that that is a that is a huge step. And one could argue that by doing that, um, it's uh, it makes public transport, and I would say public transport that is moving towards a net zero uh, aim free pulling people out of cars, pulling people out of carbon emitting vehicles, make them free. If you're um, so pulling that, then that's the first step. Then the interim step is to provide more and more services for free for those who are on lower incomes, um, you know, who, are, who, who need to travel. 
you know, um, so if I mean, if we take the very basics, you know, um, we currently provide free transport or a lot of free transport to some people like uh, people in the emergency services, you know, um, we provide some basic transport free. And uh, if you actually, I think the, um, we actually provide over, I think it's somewhere around sort of you know, a quarter of all transport is either free or subsidized in some way, you know, a significant amount of transport is free. So why don't we move even further and say, as a basic right, if you need to travel for your work, why shouldn't uh, and and you are and you don't have the ability to pay or it would encourage and move and, and adapt people change people's behavior why shouldn't we make it available to people it make it a free utility for those that need it so there's a there's a there's a two steps there's one is absolutely free and the other one is free for students free for over 50s um free for <laughs> you know um free to you know school children free to those who are you know i i'm sure that the less contention this is say let's give nhs workers free transport um on public transport you know that's uh, and, and i think if i say that everybody goes yeah okay we would do that especially given 2020 give um, but then you know what about school teachers what about care home workers? What about those people who are lower income public sector people who, who have to get up and work shifts and craft for us them? You know, why aren't they given free transport as well? So I'm throwing all these out there, perhaps throwing different ideas out, but- Yeah, and I think I think there's kind of two core ideas then. I think one of them is quite linked to the reason why you, you mentioned it when we're exploring this piece on what the future of ticketing should be. And that's that's this concept of, well, at the moment, because of the pandemic, lots of people are getting back into their cars mm -hmm. and they don't trust to use public transport so nobody's using public transport so if nobody's using it and we have the costs at the moment why don't we make it free because then people might start using it again i mean what's your i'm mean, gonna what was your theory behind making that argument well you're right i mean right now we are well you know the rail services and trans public transport services are back to you know, full or near full you know uh, a, a, a service operational they're operationally back to you know very close to 100 percent and yet that we're running these trains up and down up and down up and down and they're as empty as can be you know um people are you know, literally people have got a carriage to themselves and at the same time we're the i, I know in certain parts of the uk car transport has gone up individual use single occupant petrol diesel driven vehicles has gone up which i mean because we've all everybody's got their own little bubbles going around now countless people have in the industry said the trains and the buses are well ventilated they're sanitized they are uh, yeah they're they're there to be used and we're paying it as infrastructure if you want first of all so for this pandemic and to get out of this pandemic why don't you make tra transport free because it's being used anyway you know people say well let's drop it down to a pound to use 50 pence to use i'm saying remove all barriers to its use encourage public transport now with the pandemic make it free we've got the cost anyway we're running trains up and down they are clean they are 
aired and uh, you know ventilated they are you know they're, they're not proven to be significant vectors of the pandemic let's encourage people out of those gas guzzling mileage busting four-wheel drive suvs you know and put them and put them on the rail put them on the buses where it's there's far more effective use of of transport i uh, think given um the announcement yesterday um by the government on green transport and wanting to remove diesel and petrol cars you know um sooner than was originally planned by 2030 rather than mm -hmm. 2040 this could be a good um carrot to offer but i think now is also a good time to bring gareth in and ask him to make the case against why you wouldn't do this and why maybe revenue management tools might be more more suitable to encouraging people back onto rail yeah slightly it's slightly different message to the last uh, session we had a little bit of a moonwalk from hayden um <laughs> but uh, I, I think you know you're right the, the intention behind both of our messages is to just get people back on the rail network um in short term, I can't really argue with Hayden's point. You know, the trains are running up and down the country and they're empty. Um, so I think the challenge is no one actually knows if they're really that safe when you get masses of people going on the trains. Um, you get the government's intention of telling us not to travel, um, maybe rightly so. Um, so I think in the short term, offering a incentive to get people back on the, the train is a good idea. Um, I think offering it free in the long term is not a good idea. Um, you know, offering it to segments of people in the country can be challenging because you always get other segments who want to be included in that. And they'll argue as to why they're not being included in, in, in having free travel. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we see in the rail industry sort of pre-COVID pre is actually managing capacity. So if you give everyone for free, I'm not sure how they are going to actually manage how many people are going to be going onto the trains, as we struggle with that at, anyway at the moment. Long term, if we look at the long term, because 2021 is going to be a saviour uh, and 2020 is going to disappear, um, it, revenue management is a great tool to actually put in place because you could start to drive demand uh, when demand is at low levels and you can start to it, it, the example that i always like is that you know when you go to the barbers everyone really wants to go on a saturday and it's absolutely packed and then everyone's like oh i can't get in so what the barbers did they actually increased the prices on a saturday so only a segment of people who are willing to pay that will go on a Saturday and then they do reduce the price on other days when people can actually go in. And that, that's exactly what they should do for the rail industry. And they continue to do. But with the introduction of new technology, I think uh, revenue management will be put in place and you can start to see the demand coming back into the rail industry, including incentivizing travel for, for days where demand will be low. Okay, um, so I mean, we've got, I mean, as I say, there's a as an interim pandemic, post pandemic, short term, we and nudge, not just nudging, hugely encouraging people to travel, I say, open up the gates, make it free, and get them to encourage and, and, and get people to change their behaviour back from, you know, to, to using, you know, quite rightly, and 
running, walking, cycling, skateboarding, um, uh, or micro-mobility, uh, whatever it is, as well as using public transport again to encourage to into that and everybody thinks that is a great idea and um you know why wouldn't you just make it free if it's being used because there's so little revenue coming through the system right now mm. but then okay let's just take if i may then take the next theoretical step to a post-pandemic hopefully a post-vaccinated uh you know where we're, we're you know, everybody's immune response is now we're, we're, we're okay and we're all able to travel the question is then should and, and gareth is saying we shouldn't make it free if i'm going to take the complete polar opposite opinion and say we should still use it and price is the because what i'm saying is we use cost a price of travel the ticket price as the as the way to manage the demand on the network now is price the only factor we have to change people's behaviors on the network and is that a case can we say it's quite a blunt instrument uh, you know, and uh, you know, what other factors are there to manipulate and change and nudge people's behaviors rather than price I, I think it's quite an interesting point and if you think about what we're actually doing right now we're not meeting in person. We're on a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be the biggest challenge of us getting out of our comfort zones of being at home and using technology. Uh, I had an interesting conversation with someone who, a small world of railway, someone I worked on a bid with a long time ago, uh, and they put in as their bid that the biggest challenge for rail is technology in 1996. I mean, maybe maybe they're they're the oracle and uh, they, they they see things in the future better than us but it's interesting that technology now zoom's improving all the time the quality of it is improving teams is improving and that's the biggest challenge i see is the rail industry so offering it free might be an incentive to get people back and maybe start to sort of enjoy being part of you know seeing people face to face which i i'm i'm desperately looking forward to um but how, how do you reverse free how do you how do you start getting people giving something for free and then say oh it's the end of the pandemic we can't afford to give you free anymore we need to start ch charging you and i think some, that's an odd mindset to for, for people to accept yeah but i mean the price isn't the only lever to use i mean with modern technology um if you if you've got there, there are some other means i mean let's just let's just let's take the real cantankerous view the settlement and financial apportionment systems at the back end one might even say running marketing and commercial teams heaven forbid i'm going to get slaughtered this from clients having ranked marketing and commercial teams running settlement engines running all these running pay charging you know payment service providers taking three four five six percent of the transaction affiliates taking a chunk all the other systems that are used to to control a very very limited lever of demand is perhaps too much 
And if we got rid of all that, what's the net reduction in the overall cost and managing of an organization of the railways? Take that cost out and then use it to manage demand in some way else. Yes, sure. Perhaps use technology, perhaps use it for uh, uh, demand management. Perhaps, you know, you have to book the train. If you haven't booked it, you can't do it. Or, or, or try find some other lever Otherwise, you know, we're going to be back to the fact that low-cost airlines are going to be able to, you know, it's going to cost you more for your coffee to queue up for your coffee for the in the, in the queue for the low-cost airline than it does to fly from London to Glasgow, where it's two hundred quid to go on the train. Um, and quite frankly, that's bonkers. <laughs> but you see that I think that's an interesting point that you bring bring in there, Hayden. Yeah, about you know the commercial teams and the cost because if it it does become a utility, where does the incentive come to improve the passenger experience, or is it literally just a utility and you're getting a seat or a or a space on a train and there's no there's no experience to it. It's just a way of getting A to B. I'm sorry, I wasn't perhaps saying you you make it the cheapest thing possible and you make it just a wooden bench on a carriage. I'm, I'm saying that you can still have, in fact, you could perhaps say that rather than focusing on the commercialness of a, of a, of a, of a public transport organisation, you could focus on the experience. And I, I would argue, sorry, my point with that would be that that incentive would disappear if people weren't paying because their expectations would go down and the public sector that was paying for it would say, you be happy you've got a train, sit down, be quiet, you be happy you've got a train for free. There's no, there's no incentive there to improve the experience for someone. Are you saying that because somebody pays a pound on a on a on a rail card offer or a person who gets free transport i don't know a, a public sector worker or whatever or a person who's going for a job interview and therefore they've got that transport for free doesn't value that transport any more than doesn't value the usefulness i'm i think uh, there it's, it's i don't know whether it's valuing the usefulness but um I guess I'm going to I'm going to be maybe a bit controversial by doing an analogy now because it's a bit it's a bit like the National Health Service in the sense that we pay for it through our taxes and it's very clear that we pay for our taxes. So if we don't get a very good service, we actually we, we forgive them. Yeah, um, you know, if they fail us, you know, if we don't, you know, if we can't get our doctor's appointment, if we can't, you know, if we, you know, we fail treatment or whatever, we can't, we, we still worship the health service, even though we don't necessarily get the full value that we should get from it, you know, and I think, you know, this year being a case in point where, you know, where they, they've had to put all their resources into the, um, the pandemic, and it's meant that you know lots of other services, people waiting for surgery, and that have had to um, had to wait, you know, long long in the queue queue and that. So it's do you get that same sort of you know? So you do you get lack of investment because the one thing that we have had quite 
well in in um, public transport rail not not buses but rail there's been huge amounts of investment within rail over the last 20 years would we start to go into a position between sort of let's say beaching and privatization where that investment because treasury would be under pressure would reduce the investment and as and it would become more of that basic service so you wouldn't get new rolling stock you wouldn't get improved mm-hmm. and how would you how would you fight against that you know how would that you know in terms of a traded good how would that work against the airlines as you've just uh, mentioned and also personal car use i think you raised a good point around the national health system you do as you say it's free but you do pay for it right so you see it through your taxes there's no such thing as free is there really in reality um so even if we give passengers free journeys you're probably going to be paying for it through your tax in the long term um, but I, I wonder if that is an option that you say, well, do you, do you actually pay more on your taxes and have another area that says this is your transportation tax and that all travel is free? Well, I mean, that's really what happened, with, I think, with Talent, that, yeah. that you have to pay a $1,000 equivalent, whatever it is, to live in this city, and that's your, that includes your free transport. The mayor of Tallinn said, I think it was beginning of this year, that when they made things free a decade or so ago, their overall budget for transport only dropped 20%. Their overall income or their overall sort of revenue only dropped 20% because, so, I mean, so we're talking about taking the fare system out but still providing a great experience. Um, but should, should we instead focus then on urban areas versus long distance? Because yeah. I think you would have quite a lot of people saying, I shouldn't subsidize your trip to the seaside. That's a very good point. And one would say that if you're gonna take some form of ground, then if you live in the city, why shouldn't you have free urban transport? But if you want to travel, inter-city or uh, or from one geographic area significant to another why shouldn't you pay so you're right if you want to use it for social and and tourism basis the other thing is just let the, why don't we flip it and say well you're only it's you're right only those who are residents and got a residence car can travel tourists um business travelers from outside anybody who's not a resident of the city gets gets to use it so we it's it become when we say it becomes a tourist tax or an extra a foreigner tax <laughs> but that's what they've done in Tallinn, though isn't it <laughs> yes. if you're it's only residents that get free travel Indeed. if you're a tourist into Tallinn, you still have to pay your tram fare and, and that yeah um, i'm not too sure with luxembourg if because luxembourg at the beginning of this year has made all public transport free, but I'm I, I am unsure of whether it's only for locals, uh, you know, people who are in that country, or whether everybody gets it. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that's the same measure as well. Yeah, because Luxembourg's quite complicated as well, isn't it? Because there's something like eighty percent of people who work in Luxembourg live somewhere else because yeah. it's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's the it's the one of the most expensive, but it's also the one of the most affluent countries in Europe. Mm. Um, perhaps that making a state of the fact that it was not possible to do it in the United Kingdom because we're no longer the most affluent countries in Europe. <laughs> Can we just go back to the point that you raised earlier that it, you just said around two, it's quite expensive to pay £200 for a ticket from 
you know, London to Scotland. What should the rail industry do if the demand is there and people are willing to pay that fee and the trains are full? Well, I think we don't, we, we, if, I don't think we pay fairly for the things we consume. If you're running on the, I mean, why don't we pay more for a diesel train that pollutes more and kicks out more than if you're traveling on that, than if you're traveling on electric, electrified, you know, that's not contributing to the pollution of this planet and, 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 and not taking us to a net zero. Why, you know, um, why when airlines are proven and the, the statistics are out there that their air travel after car travel, I think, um, or the air travel and car travel pollute the most for CO2, why aren't we paying for, the, why, why don't people pay the most for those things that pollute more? In other words, why isn't airlines so significantly more taxed to make the rail seem more cheap? Well, it sounds like that you should have a, a movement fee, and the movement fee is based on carbon output. I would completely back that. So your car. Well, there's an interesting uh, so, so everything's free, but you have to pay to move. <laughs> you pay to move depending on your pollutants. Exactly. <laughs> but then you have the unfair situation of commuters in the southeast of England would have a very low fare because it's all electric, and commuters mm -hmm. in the north of England would pay a lot because they're all diesel. But that's nothing to do with their own choices. It's because the investment's not being put in for electric. But then maybe the government should also be um, fined for not um, investing. Gareth, to answer your question about do, I mean, it is, look, my concern is not so much um, the revenue coming in, it's we are not taxing or we are not making those, those industries that pay the most that pollute the most, pay the most um, to, 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 to reverse that. And uh, if the rail, it, a transport, transport is between what's better you have is between 20 to 30% of a CO2 output of a country in the Western world. You know, to, let's say 25, 22, 25% of all carbon emission comes from transport. And we if and, and it's the one of the single largest pollutants after you know after major industry and other things like that so we have a role to play uh, to play in reducing that and taking it maybe not just for us maybe for the generations that come after us and preserving this planet so if we do that why shouldn't we say i don't know you're free to travel on the transport network but if it is a net zero form of transport, I think, you know, you look at it like that, we would nudge people out. There would be an incentive to people to say, oh, I'm not going on the diesel train. I want to go on the electric train and that's for free. It might take slightly slower or I might have to go circuitous route, but I think habits would change significantly. Yeah, it's taken a slightly different turn um, to sort of damaging the world through carbon footprint, but... Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the idea of adding any sort of carbon tax is a great idea, right, in the future. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how to respond to that, to be honest. Um, it, I mean, yeah, the, the, I, I, I still can't see how free travel is going to work. Um, I like the, the idea of it, um, but competition is always going to be a challenge 
Um, people who always want to fly, people always want to get in the car and revenue management is just a way of actually just managing that to get people back onto the rail. And by looking at the way in which airlines are charging for people to do the same sort of routes, cars to do in the same sort of routes. Um, but yeah, with, with regards to uh, in a response to the carbon footprint it's uh, and revenue management, not too sure if the two go hand in hand, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, let's just say that, I mean, Belgium had a, I think for six, 15 years, I can't remember, 15, 16 years, it hadn't run an experiment for free transport and it went back to charging for it. But, uh, but, but you've, the case studies you're mentioning are Luxembourg, Belgium and Tallinn, which are all munchkin-sized places. They're not, they're not big long-distance transport hubs. So on a city base, I think we've established that, yes, you could probably think about that and try that. But for long distance journeys where you are competing with flights or you're going on holiday domestically or anything else, or you're doing business travel between cities, that's a different, an entirely different context. It is. I actually will stipulate a change in emotion that Gareth's revenue management software shouldn't just include rail, it should include airlines and other modes of transport as well and be a proper multimodal revenue management system and properly give the proper fares and we should all be accountable for to encourage us towards a more net zero outcome. There you go, Gareth. I haven't taken away the need for your product. I've increased the need for your product and the scope of it and the revenue management potential, but given you a more altruistic direction as well. It's a shame it's not a video podcast because my mobile number could have come up just at that moment. <laughs> yeah, click here now. If, <laughs> sorry, how do people come to your company assuming that this would help? How would we find your company? Then? <laughs> <laughs> if we only had some open data to work with that would enable us to... You know, that's absolutely right. <laughs> well, I feel educated and learned. Johanna, has it swayed your view? Well, you see, I don't know whether I've swayed or not because actually... I've never been a, I mean, I've never been a supporter of more of the as as government policy has been for the for the last um, thirteen years. I think where more um, more of the um, the cost of rail has gone on to the fare paying passenger. And I think if we want to promote the right behaviours and get people out of cars and and free up our towns and cities, give them more space, give them more more green space because this isn't just about the actual um the actual public transport itself it's about the room that cars themselves take up and regardless of whether you go to an electric car or not they still take up the same amount of space mm -hmm. so we have to find a way of promoting that but i think and i think it's complicated and i think universal basic mobility as as Hayden says, and we think of it holistically in terms of our mobility needs, and we can, you know, get more people onto public transport, get more people onto shared mobility, more onto active, and, and we think of it in the round of investment in our infrastructure, then maybe we'll have a way forward. But so I'm a, I'm I'm a supporter and I think it's I think it's worth thought and we should promote some pilots. Right. Okay. Down to work then. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time today thanks for the opportunity gents and ladies thank you very much thank you great great conversation thank great you, things to think about
So thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.